This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. It's been a long time since I came around. Been a long time, but I'm back in town. Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. It's hard to believe that school is only two weeks away and that many parents are facing the same hard decisions as last year. Send the kids to school or keep them home for another year of virtual learning. No matter what you decide, there's no question that our kids have been handed a raw deal through this pandemic, and many are trying to make some sense of it all. That's why my first guest this week is so important. Erica M., the voice of a generation of teens in the 80s, joins me to discuss how her new Inside Out initiative aims to give a voice to the teens of today. The Academy Boot Camp that is running from August 30th to September 3rd online is an empowering five-day boot camp. Think of it as an introduction to the framework that helps teens decide the life they want to live. This week for RBC She's the Boss segment, we're talking to Meg Tucker from Cook with Meg. When COVID struck, Meg brought her years of experience and talents together through her online learning community to create Cook with Meg. Meg creates and teaches live and on-demand cooking classes, camps, and special events for kids, teens, and adults spanning the globe. In entertainment this week, Anne Brody is raving about Spike Lee's new four-part documentary on Crave HBO called NYC Epicenters. She also shares her thoughts on Hulu's limited series Nine Perfect Strangers with Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy and has the goods on the return of Sandra Oh in Netflix's The Chair, a comic dramatic wagon load of social and cultural issues of the day in the halls of academia. Infertility is not only heartbreaking, but can be incredibly isolating. Samantha Diamond and Brianna Hughes know all too well how devastating infertility can be and have created Bird and Bee with the goal of making the fertility journey a better experience for everyone going through it. If you've ever found yourself at a funeral and been struck by the giggles, then you know that sometimes there is comedy through grief. Shohana Sharman runs a happy-ish podcast about a sad topic, grief and loss called Finders Grievers, and joins me to share why she started it. Finally, Courtney Cutsup from Universum, a global leader in employer branding, joins me to share the results of a survey conducted with students across Canada in business, engineering, law, health, and medicine, and what these young adults are looking for when they enter the workforce. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, entertain, and educate. It's another full week at What She Said with interviews that empower, educate, and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. Time, but I'm back in town. This time I'm not leaving without you. Because 
years are a crucial time in human development. It is through these years that young adults push boundaries, take risks, try on different personas, and develop long-standing social relationships. The pandemic, unfortunately, has changed the game, and there is an entire generation of adolescents who are struggling to figure out where to go from here. Once the poster child for teenagers everywhere, and now the mother of two teens, <laughs> Eric M., together with co-founders Luke Coles, Heidi Phillip, and Israel Diaz, has launched the Inside Out Initiative, a not-for-profit initiative on a mission to empower today's youth to learn, work, and live from the inside out. Erica M. joins me now. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thanks so much for having me, Candice. It's always so fun to have you on the show, but I am particularly invested in this initiative because I'm the mother of two teens. So I, I feel this in a big way. What prompted you and your partners to launch this? We each have a different agenda, which is what makes this so interesting. There are four founders, each very passionate from a different perspective. My perspective is twofold. Number one, I have two teens and I see how they've been struggling over the last couple of years. And it's not just because of COVID. I think it's really tough to be a teen today. So from a mother's perspective, I felt like there isn't something exactly like this, something that will inspire teens to dig deep, to understand who they are, to discover what their passion is. and then. From that, they get to understand what their purpose is and ultimately what their potential is. So that is the basis of the Inside Out initiative. But also as someone who has been, call it the voice of a generation, I do run a property for parents of teens on Facebook and it's called the Surviving, Surviving the Parents of Teens Facebook group. And there is such a need from a parent perspective uh, to how to inspire our kids to get out of this stage that we feel, we call it kind of languishing, where they're not really experiencing mental illness, but they're just down. They're not inspired. And someone has got to do something about it. And so I found these other three idealists, each with different skill sets but all who work with kids or have kids themselves. And we decided to see if we can really disrupt this world of education and um, empowerment for teens. This is unlike any other time in human history. And I think it's important for parents to acknowledge this. I mean, the, you know, the, the advice we were given as teens is not going to work for our kids. It's a different time in history. And it, as you said, it's not just the pandemic. There is a whole host of things going on. The climate crisis, social media, uh, you know, all of these things our kids are dealing with. So how do kids then, or I shouldn't call them kids, young adults, uh, mm -hmm. get involved with this initiative? Well, this is easy. All they need to do is go to academy.global, which is a boot camp that we're running for teens to power up before school. The idea that, you know, heading back to school, it could be another challenging year for everybody. And when I say everybody, I mean teens, parents, educators. And so we want to jumpstart the kids and make school more relevant. Because if you understand what your passions are, you understand what your purpose is, then you can use school and learn 
things that you are actually interested in. And I also want to say that, yes, this boot camp is happening. It's August 30th to September 3rd. It's half day. It's virtual. It's a must attend for anyone between pretty much the ages of 14 to 19. But we also have a, another objective, which is to work with parents and to work with educators to consider new ways of learning for teens, consider new ways of training them for their future, to consider the fact that the future that we know today is gonna be completely different in five years. So they're being educated for the world that they're living in today, the world that we know. But in fact, they're being educated for a world that is long gone. The industrial revolution is still the premise for how our kids are learning. But we're in a completely different economy now. We're in a circular economy. We're in the tech economy. The skills that are required for this future is not being taught in schools. So we've raised our hand and we said, we need to change the way our kids are learning, how they're learning and where they're learning. And we would like to be sort of the thought leaders and the people who could bring all these different great minds together to come up with some solutions. So teens are at home languishing, as we all know, uh, struggling to find that spark. Uh, how are you encouraging teens to join you in this initiative other than parents kind of forcing them to. I mean, I, I want my kids to participate, but I'm not sure that I can motivate them to participate. Well, it's partly our job at the Academy Bootcamp to use language and to use imagery that would represent to them something interesting. You're right. They don't want it. We don't want people who, to be forced. We think that it's going to be really fun. I mean, this is not school. We have amassed speakers, presenters, who are really fascinating. Candace, my God, you would want to hang out with these people. And the presenters, some of them are adults and some of them are teens. And each of them has a compelling story. Not only are we sharing stories and doing sort of interactive things together during the boot camp, but then there is a piece where kids are going to get coached. So it's personalized because. We don't want kids to be like everybody else. We don't want to tell them, listen, this is how you have to do it. What we're saying is you're different than everybody else. What you need and what you want is different than everybody. So we can't tell you what to do. All we can tell you is this is how you go inside. And this is how you learn. You learn about things that you're interested in. So if you can tap into the things that you're interested in, the things that light you up, then if you do work, it won't feel like work. I think that the world tells teenagers that you have to be a lawyer or a doctor or a number of other sort of conventional roles where that's not actually true. Not only that, they may get educated or go to school for one thing, but the fact of the matter is that they're gonna be forced to pivot so many times in their lives, because that's the reality now of the working world. So why not start with the premise that I know who I am, I know what turns me on, I know the kind of work I want to do, and I am me, the teenager, the young adult, I'm going to pursue what I want to pursue, not what my parents are telling me, because we both will live to regret it. 
Absolutely, 100%. Now, after the boot camp, where does the Inside Initiative, Inside Out Initiative go? Well, the next thing that we're hoping to do is do a, a boot camp for parents. Because if you infuse teens with lots of interesting information and new ways of looking at the world, if parents aren't on side, if they don't see the world the same way, then there's going to be a disconnect. So that's our next plan. Don't ask me about the date because, my God, we are just trying to get through this particular boot camp because, I mean, we're literally starting from zero here, Candice. It's four people with great skill sets. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. Me, crazy, positive, make things happen person. Uh, Luke Coles is uh, an educator. He was my, my daughter's principal at the school that she went to. And then he was a principal for 10 years before at a private school for boys in Toronto called Sterling Hall. So he has 20 years as a very high-end educator, but for him, he wanted to change the way kids are learning. And when you work for someone, you have to follow their curriculum. So his, his goal is to change the way kids learn because he understands the system and is only when you understand the system can you disrupt it. So he's the educational side. Uh, Israel Diaz is one of the top creative directors in the country. He's very innovative and very passion-led. And Heidi Phillip is a marketer. She is a, um, I guess you call him a great study of human behavior. She's a wordsmith and has two boys that are teenagers. And all of us came together and said, we need to make a change. And together we can do it. Well, what we need right now is some really good disruption in our lives. So I am thrilled that you're doing this. I want people to be able to find out more and obviously to let their, their teens know about this. So where can they go? Well, you can go to Academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-E, because it's all about being me-powered. So it's academy.global is the website. And if you would like to ask us any questions, you can go to hello at IOI.live and we will answer any of your questions. This is pay what you can. It is fully accessible. If you think you don't have the funds, sign up anyway. We'll figure something out for you. We want your teens in here. This is a not-for-profit. We need to make change and we need parents to be part of the change. All right. I agree 100%. I want you back when you have that parent boot camp up and running. Thank you so much for joining me today, Erica. You're welcome. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. RBC's She's the Boss This Week is profiling a master of the pandemic pivot. Meg Tucker has been creating shared experiences through media for over 20 years. Creator of the Shaw TV original kids cooking show, Just One Bite, and a top 25 finalist on MasterChef Canada, Meg's enthusiasm for life brings joy to everyone she meets in front of and behind her kitchen counter. 
When COVID struck, Meg brought her years of experience and talents together through her online learning community to create Cook with Meg. Meg creates and teaches live and on-demand cooking classes, camps, and special events for kids, teens, and adults spanning the globe. Welcome to the show, Meg. Hi, Candace. Thank you so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. This is such a brilliant idea because honestly, when COVID struck, what were we all doing? We were baking bread. We were doing cookies. We were cooking again. We were, and we were panicking for those of us who had businesses. What am I going to do? And Absolutely. How, what's, what's going to come from this? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. So did you have a light bulb moment in this process where you went, wait a minute, this is really going to fly. I can't take full credit for the idea. As uh, some people may know, I, you know, I think we all over in business, we have a village, we lean on lots of great support. And I was chatting with a few folks and we kind of came up with an idea of, well, you cook and you already do online campaigns, you live online. What if you merge the two together and what if you taught cooking classes. So it, I mean, it all was kind of funny and it all happened very quickly. The world closed, I believe, March 13th and by March 23rd. So 10 days later, Cook with Meg was born. So we put the first class out on Facebook. I mean, it's how social media has been such a help in that, hey, families, no, we're home. If you have kids, want to join. And what a need you're filling though, right? Because, you know, that was one of the things that a lot of parents were in a panic mode about was how do I fill the time? These kids are around me 24 seven. So you really did create something that created community, but what's the goal for you teaching the, teaching these skills? Thank you for asking. You know, it's so funny because from the very first class that I taught, I don't know what prompted me to say at the end of the class, guys, we're awesome. We're awesome. And then class number two happened and we got to the end of the cook or the bake and we all had fun and it's all on zoom. And we, and I said, okay, everyone, we're awesome. And then it kind of hit me in that we're all navigating through really weird times right now. And we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring pandemic or not. And so I, I, really felt it was important for kids and for teens and adults to know that at the end of the day, life is crazy, life is hectic, but did we learn something? Did we create as a group? Did we have fun? And are we sharing what we've made with those we love? Then I'd call that a success. And I think we need to hear it more often that we are awesome. So for me, it very quickly became this mission to not only create kitchen confidence in kids when it comes to, you know, safety and holding a knife and being in the kitchen, you know, responsibly, but also to create that confidence in yourself to know that I've got this, I can do this. Now we're starting to, the world is slowly starting to shift out of this pandemic, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> But this will continue, right? You've created oh. something that you that is now going to continue post-pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, we, we have made it very clear, I think, in the world we live in today that online learning was here long before 
COVID and will remain long after. In fact, I always tell people when you cook or you bake, or sorry, when you start a new hobby or a skill or you learn something, sometimes you need tools. And the tools that you need for this happen to be your own kitchen. So for me, I feel like it's super convenient for families if you've got lots of kids and you don't have to pile them all into the car and take them somewhere. Not to mention they're learning to use their own tools that they're familiar with in their own kitchen. So we are only getting started. In fact, in that little hiccup of a moment where part of the world reopened last year, um, we just kept getting busier and busier and busier because again, it's convenient. You cook from home. And you also now are you're in many time zones as well. We're in all the time zones, Candice. It's it's a little bit bonkers. So we started out predominantly. I'm in Alberta. I'm based out of Alberta, but obviously with the internet, there are no boundaries. So we started with most families. I think we started with 27 families in Alberta. Then we got some Ontario, which was awesome. I used to live in Toronto. Shout out to 416. And then um, we ended up getting, you know, more provinces sign on and more and more. And we did a summer camp last year. We're in year two this year. And then someone from the United States joined and that was crazy. And then before you know, knew it, we had and have currently um, four countries, Canada, the United States, Mexico, and Colombia. We had a camper from Colombia. We have friends telling friends, telling friends, people from all over the world. In fact, I had somebody from, I'm going to be put on the spot here, but it was a country. I mean, it was a country so tiny and so far away that found us on Google and said, can we join? Do you Amazing. accept it from other countries? Yes, we do. I love this. I, I love everything about this. It feels good. It's happy making and it oh. creates community in the kitchen. Where can people find you, Meg? They can find us at cookwithmeg.com. You can go on Instagram and check us out, cookwithmeg today. And honestly, just reach out. We've got classes during the week. We've got classes on the weekends. We can accommodate all ages and we never say no. We make it work and we're awesome. All right. Thank you to Meg Tucker from Cook with Meg for joining me today. And thank you to our sponsor, RBC. RBC is here to support you through digital first solutions, advice, and services that go beyond banking to help realize your true potential because owning a small business takes something special. That's why RBC is behind you every step of the way. Visit rbc.com backslash business. A good day from morning till night I said to the sun Good morning sun Rise and shine today You know you gotta get It's another week and we have more entertainment from Ann Brody who just never stops lining up great <laughs> shows for us. What do you have for us this week, Ann? Oh, it's an interesting week. I want to start with one of the most serious ones but the most illuminating and that's Spike Lee's four part and each episode is two hours long documentary series on Crave called uh, NYC Epicenters 9-11 to 20, uh, 2011, 20 now. Um, and it concerns 
what happened in New York, the response to various triggers over the years, beginning, you know, 20 years ago at the Twin Towers when they were taken down. There's footage that he's somehow gotten a hold of. I've never seen before, and I was working in the newsroom then. Um, he speaks with people with incredible stories inside the buildings, uh, so many new insights. And then he goes on to Black Lives Matter. And again, the stunning access to people that haven't spoken out before. And of course, his, uh, his interviewing set, skill set is tremendous. And then he winds up with the uh, January 6th attack on the Capitol. And again, with more footage and archival stuff and interviews than you could imagine. I just feel so well versed in this stuff now. And it's all how it affected New York City, which he calls the greatest city on God's earth. Uh, it's a love letter to the city. And he has nicknames for all the boroughs. His beloved Brooklyn is uh, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. And he goes he goes borough by borough looking at the front frontline workers, first responders, all the people that were part of it and the victims, of course. So it's stunning. It, you know, New York City is is one of the most if, if a city can have a heartbeat, it's New York City. It's eclectic. It's fun. It, you feel 24 seven. You feel electrified in New York. City. Yeah. It's just an exciting place to be. <laughs> so uh, I, I am actually looking forward to seeing this because I, I am truly uh, a fan of New York City for many years now. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. There was a, a show in your uh, lineup this week. Uh, nine, nine perfect strangers. Nine perfect strangers. Yes, with Holy Nicole Kidman leading the cast, and they they shot it in Australia, which is nice for her in New South Wales. She plays a guru, you know, a new age guru, and she runs a very remote wellness center. And all these people come in, big stars: John Cannavale, Melissa McCarthy, um, and and for treatment. Nine people who don't know each other it gets really intense. She feeds them drugs. They don't even ask what they are. They do everything she says. Uh, and she's so calm and perfect and wonderful that they they can't hit back on anything. They they don't think that anything's wrong. And eventually everything begins to break down a bit and she tries to boil them up. Meanwhile, she's facing a lawsuit about these pills. Uh, it's really kind of exciting. It it almost verges on a thriller, but to my mind, it reminds me of the of the people you heard of after the hippie movement. You know, the the false leaders uh, who who use drugs and manipulated people for money and power. And this is exactly what it is. So it's pretty interesting to watch. And Michael Shannon's in it. He's one of my favorite actors. He's tremendous on Hulu. Hulu, Hulu. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Now there's one that I really want to talk about because I was delighted to see Billy Crystal show up here today. Week. Yes. And teamed up with Tiffany Haddish. She's doing a, a semi-serious role here. So he's a, a legendary late night comedy show writer still working. Uh, so experienced. The, the show succeeds and has gone on for decades because of him. And the young writers want him out because they want to, you know, uh, resort to cheap humor. Um, and, and he won't have it. Um, and he meets a girl who is falling all over his trash cans. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, she's wanted dinner with him. 
So they get to know each other. They develop this really strong platonic relationship. And she comes to realize that he's beginning to show the signs of dementia. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's sweet. It's funny as can be. Tiffany Haddish is amazing, but she also puts in a very convincing, dramatic performance. And Billy Crystal, there's nobody like him. I'm so glad he's done this film. I think it maybe addresses a lot of what his generation of comics might be might be experiencing now. So yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, like. it, it, it looks like a must-see. And honestly, I've missed watching Billy Crystal in movies. He is just, he's wonderful. He's very warm, isn't he? He's warm, right? Yeah. You remember him and Throw Mama from the Train? Uh, oh, I loved <laughs> him. I love him. He's great. So, okay, we all got about 30 seconds. What else can we not miss? Uh, motel Makeover. Everyone's crazy about the June Hotel out in wherever, Prince Edward County. And the two girls, the cameras follow these two girls, the owners uh, and young entrepreneurs. They made so much money on the June. They opened a place in Sauble Beach and to watch them go just a couple of millennials with heavy, heavy vocal fry. <laughs> but there's a lot of local interest in them. So I want just to direct people to that on Netflix. So, you know, watch them go through all these uh, uh, situations that they have to to get this place open in time. And, um, you know, if you want to spend five hundred dollars a night for for a motel room, great, because they're super chic. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. For So you've got all of these plus a lot more on what she said. Talk dot com. And you will be back next week. I will have a good one, Candace. Thanks, Anne. It's a good day. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. It's like rain. I My next guest met while they were both trying to solve problems in the fertility space. Samantha Diamond had gone through pregnancy loss and fertility issues while building her family, and Brianna Hughes was still battling infertility after four years and three rounds of IVF. They combined Sam's background in PR and marketing and Brianna's history in tech and product management to create Bird and Bee, with the goal of making the fertility journey a better experience for everyone going through it. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for having us. This is groundbreaking as far as I'm concerned, particularly when it comes to that education piece. And I would like you to elaborate on that a little because I think this is crucial. So when it comes to education, what are we missing? Well, I, I think honestly, from my own personal experience and then from the experiences of everyone we've heard from since starting our venture, we're missing quite a bit. So, you know, we have that sex ed class in like grade nine or grade 10, and it's mostly centered around pregnancy prevention. And then you sort of exit high school, maybe college or university, and there's radio silence as it relates to reproductive health and family planning, right up until you actually are struggling. 
So you end up maybe 15, 20 years later, potentially in front of a, a fertility doctor, scratching your head and wondering, why did no one tell me this? Why didn't anyone warn me? Nobody talks about that. And so no wonder women get to this point in their journey and are frustrated because there's been no conversation about it until it actually happens. Or doesn't happen. That's right. typically like the narrative is really when you're ready to start trying to have a baby, wait a year, try for a year. There's no instructions on actually what it means to effectively or efficiently try either. Uh, and then, then only then will you be able to kind of be referred to a specialist to seek out additional help. And really what we're here to do is help change that narrative around the wait a year, try for a year with the unless, unless there's some red flags, unless you have signs that you could have more difficulty trying to conceive because you might, that year might be an entire waste of time. Uh, and so we really want to help people kind of maximize the most efficient route to time to care as they possibly can. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on that, because I think once you decide that you want to start a family, that wait can be seem like an eternity um, as you're waiting, right? Absolutely. Every month, every cycle that passes, every negative pregnancy test that you see, just it's not only just a physical kind of burden, but also mental. Um, and it's something that is often overlooked. Like you expect to be able to kind of plan. And some people are fortunate enough that they can plan kind of the astrology signs of their, of their, of their babies. But uh, for, for most people, it's not as simple as just having sex and then becoming pregnant uh, immediately. And so we really want to, again, be, be there to support kind of everybody, everybody else's story. So when a woman gets to the part where she's struggling and it, it, then it becomes very expensive, doesn't it? It can. And it depends on where you're located, what kind of coverage you have, what kind of um, government coverage you might also have, and what type of treatment you might need. Um, what we're trying to do is educate people from the get-go on as, as many possible options as, as they have to optimize their chances of success for down the road. So if there are certain things that if you tackle them earlier on, you might end up saving a lot of time and expense on your journey later. So a perfect example is, you know, somebody who might have a low ovarian reserve, meaning the number of eggs that they have left are lower than would be expected for their age. So if that is something that if you find out that this is something that you are dealing with early on, maybe in your, in your mid to late 20s, even early 30s, you might take steps right away to preserve your fertility for down the road. So you might seek fertility intervention from a reproductive endocrinologist and you might freeze your eggs. And if you freeze your eggs at a, at a younger age, when you are ready to use those eggs, potentially five, 10 years later, you're dealing with eggs that are of, of better or higher quality because they were from you when you were younger. If you had a low ovarian reserve and it was left undetected until maybe your late thirties, when you started to try to, to have a baby, and perhaps you had no idea that this was an issue, you're trying on your own one year, two years, 
then you end up in front of a fertility doctor and then you go have to go through multiple potentially rounds of IVF. Um, that may end up costing you more down the road because you have waited longer. And unfortunately, as we get older, the quality of the eggs does decline. So you, you have a better chance of success with younger eggs. So Bird and Bee is there to offer education you're looking to improve access to care, but you're also looking to change the conversation around fertility culture. So can you elaborate on that for me a little bit? Well, we know that in Canada, one in six couples experience infertility, and we know that one in four pregnancies end in loss. Yet, this is still very much a culture of silence. I went through pregnancy loss myself, and at the time did not know that other people were going through it alongside me because nobody talked about it. And I suffered in complete silence for well over a year. Um, and then when I finally started talking about it, you know, as, as we're launching our company and having these conversations, almost everyone I know, plus many complete and total strangers came forward and said, me too, me too, me too. And it would have just been it would have been such a different experience for me if I had that community around me. But we're told, we're told by our doctors, by culturally speaking, we're told, keep your pregnancy, you know, under wraps for the first three months because loss is so common. But in doing so, you're completely isolated if, if that is what does happen. You're completely isolated because no one even knew you were pregnant in the first place. It's, it's almost more difficult at that point to ask for the support. That's such an excellent point. I had never actually considered that, but yes, now you're left to actually uh, suffer in silence really because nobody knew. Uh, that's such a good point. Um, so tell me then um, about the marketing in the fertility space. You think that that has to change as well. Give me an example of, of poor marketing in the space. You could take a walk down your local drugstore aisle and, and see for yourself what is on those boxes, those pregnancy tests and ovulation tests, and even some of the prenatal vitamins. It's usually a picture of a pregnant woman, sometimes holding a baby. Um, and when you're visiting the drugstore or shopping for these items month after month, when, when going through your fertility journey, whether or not it's three months, four months, a year plus, those images are subconsciously creating anxiety and telling you, you should be pregnant this month. This should result in a pregnancy. And I, I think that this additional anxiety is, it's counterintuitive to the process. You're, you're, we, we need to manage expectations. It takes on average six to 12 months for a healthy woman under 35 to conceive with no fertility issues. So the expectations are not being set properly, even if it doesn't take you forever, even if it's two months, three months, you're expecting something that is not happening. And, you know, that's just not the reality of everyone's journey. And even still, when you look at TV segments, especially like some of the more well-known pregnancy test brands, it's always a couple, like a heterosexual couple on the bathroom floor, crying tears of joy because they got a pregnant, a positive pregnancy test. When what we know is in fact, 80% of couples trying every month fail. So more often than not, 
there's actually the tears on the bathroom floor are not out of joy and it's out of pain. And so we really want to see our customers where they are and uh, in the reality of their journey. Well, speaking of customers, I am positive that there is there are people listening right now who are nodding their head and would like to reach out to you and find out more. So can you please tell me where they can connect with you um, everywhere? Let me know. Well, our website, our website's up and running and, and ready for everyone to come visit, learn and, and check out some of the personalized prenatals that we have up and, and ready to go so far. Um, it's www.birdandbee.com. That's just one E in the B. All right. Excellent. And social media? Yep. You can, you can come and visit us on Instagram. We share a ton of educational um, and science-based content on our Instagram. We're at Bird B Co. Swing, swing by Facebook, Pinterest, and all of all of the platforms where we just continue to share um, science, research, and and try to build a community to support those going through their journey. All right, ladies, thank you so much. I think what you're doing is incredible. Uh, you are going to change this space for the better. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. If you've ever been at a funeral or memorial and found yourself laughing hysterically at some point, then you know that sometimes laughter is how we cope. My next guest runs a happy-ish podcast about a sad topic, grief and loss called Finders Grievers. In this podcast, Shohana Sharman, a Bangladeshi-born emerging comedian, writer, and theater artist, sits down with artists, writers, comedians, and folks from all walks of life to chat about their experiences with grief. She joins me now to discuss just a little bit about the complex, messy human emotions that come along with loss and how some of us navigate it all. Welcome to the show, Shohana. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. So how did you come up with this concept to talk about the the funny part of grieving? Yeah, you know what? It was never planned as most as the best things in life aren't. Um, I lost my mother in 2017 and it was a really devastating experience. Um, but through navigating that loss and grief, I kept having these strange experiences that I couldn't not find funny because there's so much tension and awkwardness around death and dying and grief that people just kept doing kind of strange things that I was like, you realize this is funny, right? Like it's very sad context, but ultimately there is comedy there. Um, So yeah, I kind of feel like I stumbled upon it and um, have never looked back. (laughs) And do you think people, you know, when they laugh or break out or find something funny, they immediately think it's inappropriate and want to push it down? Yes, immediately. It's, I mean, it's natural, right? Because you don't want to be seen as disrespectful, but ultimately, you know, every experience we have as humans has both good and bad. That's what I believe anyway. I think life is complex and messy and full of full of good and bad, and you have to be able to hold both sides of it. So even though death 
and grief and loss is an incredibly difficult experience, um, there are moments of levity. There are moments where you, especially when you find other people who are grieving and you find that sort of person who gets it, you know, there's this instant feeling of connection and community. There's a lot of honestly laughter and joy that comes out of it. And I got to experience that um, through my show. So I produced uh, and performed in a sketch comedy show called Dead Parent Society with four other comedians who had all lost a parent. And through that process of writing that show, we couldn't stop laughing, <laughs> which sounds really odd, but it's it's true because you find someone who understands exactly what you've been through. Like you were at the bottom of the pit, you hit rock bottom and you ate a whole wheel of brie. And now you can talk to someone and they are like, yeah, I ate a wheel of brie too. And I ordered a bunch of stuff online that I didn't need. So there's so much of that sort of ridiculous, silly levity in, in those really hard experiences that I think we just need to be able to create a space to talk about those. So on Finders Grievers, then, is that what you're doing is trying to normalize discussions around grief, not necessarily about the humor that comes out of it? Yes, absolutely. So I really feel like grief doesn't get talked about as a lived experience. It very much, very much is saved for like, you know, uh, we talk about it in hush tones and in hospital rooms, in therapy. And, uh, you know, we come home and you like just kind of deal with it. You're not allowed to really fully express it in, in society, at least not in my experience anyway. So I really wanted to just create this open space where we can just speak about our lived experience of grief to normalize it, to make it seem less scary because I think that's why a lot of people shy away from it because they're afraid of, you know, oh gosh, I don't, I don't, I know that this really hurts and I don't want to experience it and I don't want to deal with it. And I don't know how to deal. I don't want to hurt you, but I also don't want to hurt me. So I think there's a lot of distancing that happens. Um, and I just, I think we're only doing ourselves a disservice by doing that. I think the more open we are, about these experiences, the more we can create that sense of community um, to help lighten things up. So do you only discuss grief that that comes through death or do you discuss other, other uh, ways grief might affect our lives? You know, um, job loss, uh, yeah. all, things like that. Do you discuss, explore that, that grief as well? Yeah, so that's a great question. I've thought about it. I've thought about opening up the discussion to other kinds of grief, especially as we've been navigating this, this pandemic where all of us are grieving the old normal and grieving things that we never imagined grieving. Um, I think for this podcast, I decided to keep it to the loss of a loved one because that's the one where I feel like I have the most concrete experience and can actually um, have intimate and you know, sometimes messy conversations where I still feel like I can I can speak to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, a job loss, relationships, there's all kinds of grief. Grief is universal. It's all around us. And yet we never talk about it. Exactly. So let's change that. Absolutely. I agree. Let's normalize that conversation. So I want people to be able to find your podcast and connect with you. So where can they do that? You can find us uh, on the Sonar Network or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Finders Grievers. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Soliam. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
Thanks so much for having me. Have a story for what she said? Email us at 1059theregion.com. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 1059 The Region. Universum is the global leader in employer branding and has surveyed more than 1.5 million Canadian students in business, engineering, law, health, and medicine. This year's survey revealed how COVID-19 has impacted the most important attributes Canadian students look for when considering employment. So what does the future hold for Canada's brightest? Courtney Cutsop is the Managing Director for Universum Americas, and she joins me now to discuss. Welcome to the show, Courtney. Thank you, Candice. Happy to be here. So tell me about this survey then that Universum conducts every year. Yes. So Universum is the global leader in employer branding. And for more than 30 years, we've actually been providing this data to more than 1,000 clients all over the world. It's the largest student career preference survey in Canada with more than 25,000 students completing the survey between October 2020 to March 2021. Okay, so the survey revealed that Canadian students are keen to work remotely. So tell us a little bit about these insights and some of the concerns that female students in particular um, have working from home. Yes. So approximately 76% of Canadian female students are keen to work remotely. However, they do want employers to address their concerns, including feeling isolated. 54% of females said they feel isolated. And this potential bias for in-person workers came in at second with 35% of females indicating that. So they are really concerned that remote work will lead to this isolation and a little bit of loss of work-life balance compared to men. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a theme that's been, you know, we've discussed a lot over the last year. And, you know, women in particular, you know, trying to balance family and kids and work at home is definitely uh, difficult. Uh, so what was also interesting, though, that is job security and ethical standards top the list of important employer attributes. Did that surprise you? It did. You know, and I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm speaking as a mom who just came back from maternity leave. I have a three month old at home. You know, we all can speak to some of those challenges, I think. And secure employment actually came in at the number one spot this year, beating out high future earnings, which was the number one attribute sort of pre-COVID, right? And I think it was surprising to us because when we look at the female preferences compared to the male students, male students are actually prioritizing employers that are really offering the high future earnings, that clear path for advancement, while females are really looking at 
In addition to the job security, they're also looking at high ethical standards and inspiring purpose in the top. So again, I think going back to what you said is, you know, they know they have to take on a lot more, taking care of children, household duties, things like that. But at the same time, they're also saying, I want to work for a company that provides that financial stability. And I think when we look at ethical standards as the number two attribute among females this year, they're not necessarily saying, I want to work for a company that has ethical practices, right? But it's, I want to work for a company that is friendly and kind and treats their employees well. So really interesting findings this year. That's really insightful because I'm sure that a lot of the employers must look at this and then evaluate how they're running their business. And, you know, you can only attract great talent if you have uh, the things in place that employees want. You're exactly right. And that's exactly how we suggest using these insights. It's taking a data-led approach and understanding what is it that your target audience wants and what is it that they're sort of thinking of you as an employer, their perceptions, and then marrying that with what is actually true internally. What is the culture that you live and breathe and trying to find that message that will resonate with your target audience. But again, keeping in mind, you need to adapt it and adjust it to the different audiences that you're going after to ensure that it really resonates with them. I was really surprised to see that the cannabis industry is drawing a very strong interest. Did that surprise you? It did. Yes, it did. 34% of candidates are interested in working in the cannabis industry. So that's actually a new sector on our survey. So it came up in the results last year. And we're really, you know, it tracks the changing perceptions since the legalization of cannabis, right? So really looking at that industry, it was surprising. And even more so looking at the differences between females and males uh, when it comes to their appeal and interest in wanting to work in that industry. That is, that is uh interesting and and incredible all the time to see the difference. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, obviously five years ago, this wasn't even a thing. So, so how amazing that there's this, there's so much interest in this industry. Um, How, uh, how students are learning, how are students learning about um, how they are learning about employers has changed as well, right? So how are they learning about future employers? Yes. So as you can imagine, no surprise, probably social media is in the top quite a lot. The primary channels they're using are Instagram and Facebook. Again, they are really, you know, instantaneous. You can learn a lot about the culture that way. A lot of videos, right, which is another platform and way for talent to learn about these companies. They really want to know what is that day in the life like? What is the culture like? What am I going to be doing on a day-to-day basis? And so we're always advising our clients to really make sure that you are injecting yourselves where students and your talent market are, which is social media at the moment, as well as the career site, making sure that you have a strong career site that really gets across your EVP or your employer value proposition. All right. Incredible. There's there's amazing insights in this. And obviously there's much more uh, to share. So where can people find out more? Yes, they can find out more on our website at universumglobal.com. All right. Incredible. Courtney, this was really great. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Candace. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com. 
And be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify to re-listen to this episode and find full details for all of today's guests. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. Been a long time, but I'm back in town. This time I'm not leaving without you. Previous episodes of What She Said on 1059theregion.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance, and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world, and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.